I'm loving this sermon series. Are you? Yeah. It's taking us on a wonderful journey of greater revelation and understanding of worship and prayer to transform us. And I love the way that the key fundamentals of life and our walk with the Lord have been woven together in like this beautiful tapestry of worship and prayer, his word, both written and spoken, the prophetic. It's just so amazing. A journey so far where we have seen how key worship and prayer are in our lives and the importance of them. The why we worship, the why we pray, and then a life of worship, spiritual worship, and on Pentecost looking at prayer and worship. And then today we come to the heart of worship, which, as its name suggests, is looking at what is the heart of worship. In essence, the why and who, but then from that, the what happens when we worship. So let's just turn to Psalm 100, and it says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that he is Lord. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Wow, an amazing psalm. The reason we worship, or the why, as Tim covered at the beginning of this series, is to offer praise and adoration to God as creator, as king, as father. To Our worship is a love offering, an offering of our love, honor, and gratitude for who he is and all that he has done. Worship through what we think, what we say, what we do, so our thoughts, our words, our actions, our deeds, Worship by song, as we have just done. And worship through creativity, to give thanks and honour and glory to God. A love offering that involves our hearts. It's an attitude of heart and mind, and at the centre of it all is God, and at the heart of worship are our hearts. When we worship, we're doing what we were, are created to do, but more what we're commanded to do. Matthew 4.10 says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. Worship of God above all else, and no others. No other gods or idols. It's a very short statement, but it's quite a big command. God first and foremost. But the comfort in this big command is that that we were made for this. So, Therefore, if we are created to worship, then it's part of who we are and what we need to do. In a natural but non-striving way, God created us for worship and to worship him. It was a gift that was an integral part of his plan when he made us. And therefore, it's part of our DNA, central to who we are and intrinsic to us, innate even. It's as much part of our DNA as our hair colouring, our eye colouring, It's who we are. It's there. Thinking of natural characteristics, I loved it when we were in Kenya seeing the way the children worshipped and danced. They had such rhythm in their dance from such a young age. They hadn't attended dancing classes. And it wasn't even because they'd learnt it. It was just so much part of them and that God created and they just let that come out in such a natural way within them. And that's just as God intended worship to be to be natural to us. 
intrinsic and innate, as I've mentioned with um, those two words about that worship being intrinsic and innate to us. Between them, they have definitions which include inherent, natural, native, ingrained, deep-rooted, inseparable, permanent, indelible, ineradicable, intuitive, instinctive, spontaneous, and unlearned. They are all amazing descriptions of how our worship should be. They all sum up and describe how worship should be for us and why it is so part of who we are and what we do. And we can see how natural it is when we look at worship in a worldly context. You think of the way that people worship things or people and even idol worship. You know, when, when people like something, whether it be an object or there is someone, a group they admire, a famous person, a celebrity, a writer, a team, a pop star, it causes a stirring of their hearts towards them. And, and as a result, people give of their time, their affection, their thoughts, their dreams, their emotions, and even their finances. So when we look at it in that natural, worldly way, we can see just how natural it is for people to worship but we were created to worship, but only God. We were created to love God and engage our hearts to worship him. We were created for investment both our heart and interaction, both our hearts, our minds and words. And that's why I think this sermon series is just so vital in our walk and our journey with the Father, as it reveals his heart for us in worship. And we grow not only in our understanding of worship, but also freedom to worship in the way God intended I think God would have loved this morning. In fact, I saw him loving it, but amazing, the freedom. But there's more. God intended us for, to worship and for there to be gratitude, love and joy and to worship with all we are. Just as David writes and I, from the psalm, shout to the Lord or the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him singing with joy, acknowledging that the Lord is God. And then in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. And then David gives the reason for such joy and thanksgiving and praise, because the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. At the heart of worship is God's love for us. God is good, and he loves us. God is good and he loves you. It is his love that is the source of our love. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. We need to understand, believe and accept that he loves us and enjoy his love. And then let this be a way of leading us into worshipping him. As we thank him for who he is and the gift of love and the gift of worship, to let that gratitude and love and joy and freedom bubble up. But I think along the way and through experiences of life and church, we get affected and even held back from what God intended. The heart of worship, to worship freely as created to and as the Father planned. But somehow we get conditioned as to how we have to be and how we have to do things I'm sure I've told, shared this before, but I was, as a child, I was told off for laughing in church. I was told, we don't laugh in church. Well, having already been expelled from the brownies for laughing, <laughs> I, 
actually, I remember now the time when I was told off for laughing. I was also in a uniformed organisation. I clearly wasn't. I, I was, you know, when they have the church parade and they have the flags, and I was carrying the flag. But the church we were in had this, like, ornate um, architectural bit at the back. And I was so concentrating on smiling at the person at the very back that I forgot I had to lift my flag out and lower it to go through the, the archway. So I smacked into the archway. There was a moment of, like, trauma as what I'd done to the church. But more, all those coming behind me then smacked into me. That's like, well, I'm sorry, but I found that quite funny. <laughs> the pile up of, you know, uniform, anyway. But I was told we don't laugh in church. So I then took on the lie and the misbelief that I had to be serious, I had to be quiet, and that church was not a place to enjoy or have fun, and that to be accepted in church, I needed to be serious and rein it in. Now, something didn't seem right to me even as a young child. I'd already come to faith by then, and I'd been taught about the fruit of the Spirit. I'd even learnt the song fruit of the spirit are love joy it goes on and of course later I'm not going to sing it and later I haven't got time later I realized that you know my discernment was that actually that wasn't quite the right management at that moment now let me put aside a bit on the side to this there are obviously times when we need to be quiet and we need to listen and we need to be sensitive to others going around uh, all what other people around us but to say we don't ever laugh in church is wrong. I mean, think as we saw this morning, look at the start of the service, we were laughing. You know, joy is the fruit of the Spirit. And when joy breaks out, it's really something, that godly laughter. God doesn't want us to be quiet. He wants us to enjoy him, enjoy worshipping him. Look at what David wrote. Shout to the Lord Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Go into his courts with praise. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. That doesn't conjure up a picture of passivity, but gladness and joy, emotion and movement. It's meant to be joyful. It's meant to be free. And I just sense the Father saying to me right now in this moment that if anyone can identify with what happened to me or because of previous experience of church or because of previous experience of a well-intended leader can I just uh, say right now just like I had to do I had to forget I forgave that lady in charge of our organization for telling me not you know she meant it in the best way you know I'm sure and I just want to speak freedom over you in Jesus' name. I bless you to worship as the Father created you to worship. I bless you to be free. I bless you to have joy, particularly joy. I'll come on to more in a minute. Yeah, I, I'm grateful for those good leaders I had around me, for my parents as well, who actually taught me truth and revelation of what the Bible says that church is and also what worship is and to encourage me. Further to it being a commandment to worship God, it is something that the Father loves. The Bible says it's what he's looking for. John 4.23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now, the, the theme of worshipping in spirit and truth was another sermon. So if you want to know more on that, listen back to when that was a few weeks ago. 
But that verse is so key in highlighting not only that worship involves the Holy Spirit and the Bible, the Spirit and truth, but the Father is seeking those who worship him in both these ways. And this is the heart of worship. So I just encourage us all to ask God to open our spiritual eyes to see him more. Open our spiritual eyes to see him move and see God's heart and what is alive in his heart. It is biblical for us to cultivate and develop a life of worship and a lifestyle of worship. To worship God with all that we are in every area of our hearts and our lives, in all we do, in all circumstances, and to worship him in spirit and truth. Wow, I realised that was a lot in one sentence. So let's maybe just unpack it a bit and see how do we do it. Well, the Bible's very clear and succinctly lays out how, how important love is. More, Jesus does not water down his words when he's asked by the scribe of which is the most important commandment. When Jesus answers him, this is in Mark 12, and he says, the first of all commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Wow. That is some commandment. It's not a request. It's a command but it's also a lot of love. So at the heart of worship, as we might anticipate, is a love relationship between the Father and his children. God makes it clear from the beginning when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments that we are to love only him and worship no other God. He is a jealous God. He wants us. He wants all of our hearts, our soul, our mind, and our strength. This means all of us and allowing him to be Lord of our heart, mind, soul and strength. Not in a weak way, but as Jesus says, all our strength. Now that implies will and effort to be intentional and tenacious in our love for him. Tenacious in our pursuit of him, just as Jesus is with us. We need to love God with all our heart. But Jesus didn't stop there. He also said we are commanded to love God, love our neighbour and love ourselves. Now sometimes loving ourselves can be the hard part. But if we are to love ourselves and love our neighbour as we love ourselves, if we don't love ourselves much, we can limit or lower the bar on how much we love other people or how much we love God or even our capacity to receive love from God because we step into I'm not worthy for your love Jesus well Jesus went to the cross for that so that lie goes straight away he would have gone to the cross if it was just one of us because that was Jesus this is why it's so important to have our hearts healed and seeking healing from life's hurts to correct wrong misinformed or ungodly beliefs that restrict us as it did me or it could have done throughout my life if I'd believed that lie from that moment of I can't enjoy church it's not fun God doesn't want us to enjoy it whoa I think my life would have looked so different So we need to believe the truth of his word and have hearts to love as we cultivate hearts of love. Hearts that can receive love, hearts that can love. And this means healed hearts. 
Now, we know that this is very much on the heart of God for 2022, for us as a church family. God led us very clearly to study worship this term and healing for next term. And there are reasons for this. We see it in God's word. There are reasons for checking our hearts. As Jesus said in Luke 6, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Our mouths, probably one of the most powerful organs we have, can reflect what's going on in our heart. This can be good or not so good, depending on how we're feeling or what's happened. What we say, what we sing in worship is an overflow or outpouring of our hearts. And God wants all of our hearts. And so our hearts in turn need to reflect our priorities. As Jesus said in Luke 12, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. May our treasure always be heavenly. Treasure God and let's treasure worship as the gift and the tool it is. Now I say tool as I think it's a very precious and powerful way of connecting with God. Worship not only delights the Father, it draws us into his presence. It causes us to fix our eyes on him, fix our gaze on him, and there is a heart-to-heart connection. As the deep of his heart calls out to the deep of ours, and as the deep of our heart calls out to the deep of his, that is the heart of worship as we go deeper into his heart and deeper into his love. It's a journey into the heart of God where we encounter him, his love and his power, his presence and transformation takes place. It is his desire for us to worship, his desire for us to draw close, his desire that we love him, his desire that we open our hearts fully to him, all of our heart in surrender to him. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 it says, God looks at the heart. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The Father's eyes are roaming the earth looking for those whose hearts are on him. He's looking for relationship. He's looking for commitment. He's looking for a dwelling place of his presence. He wants our hearts. He wants intimacy with us. Jesus made it all possible at the cross. If David can write that psalm pre-Jesus, think of how much easier it is for us having had Jesus go to the cross for us. What God, reply, what God requires is that we believe in him, John 14, 1, and that we trust him with all our heart, Proverbs 3, 5. He created us to worship, calls us, commands us to worship as we love him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. It's such a heart thing. We know that he loves it because when we worship, he draws clear. He draws close and his presence thickens just like he did this morning. He resides in this house. His presence is everywhere over all the earth, but he resides here and he's chosen this as a house where his presence is so tangible. But when we worship, it thickens. Did you feel it this morning? Some people will feel it more, others it's by faith. So if you didn't feel it, don't beat yourself up, but know that he was here, his presence thickens. It was so tangible as we worshiped, his presence thickened. And there's something about when we sing 
holy, holy, and we're joining with the song of heaven. And I saw just angels massed in here this morning. And I saw angels standing in front of people and imparting to them. And I believe that the Father was imparting to each of us for our hearts in that moment. I also saw gemstones falling, but I'm going to need to speak to God about that and know what he was doing in that moment, like in Revelation. But, I need, but God is really moving. His presence thickens. He does exactly what it says in his word. Psalm 22, he inhabits the praises of his people. Doesn't that just say something about the Father's delight when we worship him? When we worship, it's like he crashes in with his presence. He loves it. He comes with his manifest presence, the kabod, the weightiness and glory. And that's why I said to pause for that moment because I know that God is wanting us to learn more about him in worship, what he does and what we are to do in worship. When we worship, we join with heaven. It connects us to heaven. Worship opens the gates and welcomes him in in his presence. Worship delights the Father's heart. As I've said, we see this in scripture. As I said at the beginning, worship is a love offering of love, honour and gratitude for who he is and all he has done. Worship is our thoughts, words, deeds, actions, songs, creativity to give thanks and honour to glory and glory to God. A love offering that involves our hearts. And at the centre of it all is God. And at the heart of worship are our hearts. We see the, the heart of love with Mary and that sacrificial and extravagant act of worship. I'm not talking about Mary, mother of Jesus, although if ever there was a sacrificial act of worship, oh, she has all my admiration. But Mary, as she broke the alabaster jar and anointed Jesus' feet with the expensive nard and then wiping it with her hair, an action for which she was majorly criticized by those around, but Jesus loved it. You saw the rebuke, the way he rebuked those around and said what she did was so amazing. God loves our acts of worship. They bring delight to his heart. Worship is a gift of God, a gift from God, and our gift and offering to him. And God is looking for such. He's looking for our hearts. He's looking for that offering. And isn't it good that God sees our heart, despite of and in spite of how we may act and speak? It's the heart that really matters. And that's what he saw in Mary. And he loves our acts of worship, and he draws closer. I enjoy many forms of worship, but I do particularly love sung worship. Not just because I love singing and dancing and praising God, but it's because of what happens when I worship in that way. It's that heart-to-heart connection of love and revelation. Worship is for God and to God, but as we worship, if we allow him, he stirs our hearts. It's that sense, there's a light in a song that says, my heart turns violently inside my chest. And sometimes that is what, sometimes I literally feel my heart in worship is going to like, I hope it doesn't, it might be a bit messy, but it's that what God is doing in our hearts. It's a gift from God and love is central to worship. And it has to be, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's just a sing song. If we're not engaging our hearts and minds and focusing on the one we've come to worship, it's just us having a nice sing. The other week when we had Lauren over um, to lead the worship weekend, on the Friday night, the worship community gathered together. I'm not, not um, a part of that in an active role of, in the band, 
Um, although I could have joined in then, but when Phil encouraged me to sing that song then, but I didn't. Um, but I came on the Friday night to be part of it and to support. And um, in work, it had been a busy week. There'd been lots going on, lots of fun and exciting things, but I, I was actually quite tired. It was a Friday night, so it meant no day off. And I remember in worship, I just felt to fall to my knees. And as I did, I, I remember being so engulfed in in his presence, in, the, in his glory. It was so tangible and precious. And that's when I had that vision of heaven with the angels heralding their trumpets and glory coming out. And then last week, week before, sometime recently, God's given me the next part of that with the, with the um, torches being lit and his glory coming to earth. There is so much going on. God is revealing so much. There's so much that is going on that we see. There's also so much going on that is not seen. There's things that the Father has revealed. There's things that he's, he's revealing, and there's things that will be revealed. But worship is so on the heart of the Father for this year, and he is on a journey of going deeper and deeper and, and getting our, um, our worship in line with what he's calling us to do. But that vision of heaven, in that moment, I was swept into heaven. And that vision was so powerful. It's one of those things that has marked me. It will stay with me. But as I worshipped, it stirred my heart. He was so good. He comes and he blesses and he, he stirs our heart if we're open to him doing that. And it just, it, it, he felt so close. So I would encourage all of us to let worship minister to us. You know, worship is for God, but he's so amazing. He does things in it as we worship. And let him stir your heart. Let him bring you into that deeper connection and revelation. I mean, I shared what happened when I was here. But equally, I have had such powerful times of worship when it's just been me. I love worshiping either in my living room and I've got my chair. Or I might not always be in my chair, but I've got my chair and um, my soaking chair. And also, I love being out in creation because, again, it stirs my heart to worship him. You can't really not be out in this island anywhere and not want to give thanks to God. Let that start. Worship is about wherever we are. We can worship him from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed and be thanking him for what he's doing and what we're seeing around us. But sometimes when it's just been me, I have had the most powerful experiences and encounter of God in those moments. No one else to be there, no one laying hands on me, no amazing band to lead me in worship. Um, I, sometimes, I quite often have YouTube on, I say, so I guess they are amazing bands leading me in worship. But no one in the room with me apart from Jesus, just me and him. Special times of deep encounter with him, being filled with the Holy Spirit and throne room moments when it does again feel like I'm swept into the throne room of heaven and have encounters of God there. Why? because he inhabits the praises. He invades, he draws near, he draws close. It is his desire for us, and he desires it from us too. He's looking for that closeness, that relationship, and that intimacy. That's why one of our core values is intimate worship. I'm sure you know this, but I'll just read it. Worshipping him with extravagance and excellence pursuing intimacy with him, one of our core values, because it's so essential and integral to our walk. Intimacy, that closeness, a love relationship. I think sometimes when we talk about intimacy or a close relationship, I think sometimes men may find it harder, sort of that that man intimacy thing, and think it's just more of a female thing. But let's just look at Jesus. (laughs) Jesus 
had intimacy with his father. He was a man and he, he pursued intimacy. He withdrew. He set aside time to be with his father. And this is why the secret place is so important for us too. Time alone with the father. Jesus referred to God as his father and not the father. And so should we because we're co-heirs with Jesus to the father. Jesus had intimacy with the Father, not just because Jesus was God, but because he prioritized it. He spent time with him, and so should we. Like any other relationship, it takes time, it takes investment. It doesn't just happen. We have to be intentional. God is looking for it and desiring it. Us thinking about Jesus isn't enough. Us thinking about the Father isn't enough. Us thinking about the Holy Spirit isn't enough. I can think about something. It doesn't develop a relationship. If I think about Phil, it's not taking us on in our relationship. It's that that, um, interaction and that talking. The interaction between us and God needs to be like a conversation, just like Jesus did when he was on earth. He withdrew. He spent time with the Father. And if Jesus, as the Son of God, needed to do it, then we certainly do. So I encourage all of us to set aside those times to worship him, to commune with him, to love him, to allow him into every area of our life and heart. And this will help us develop a life of worship. Our whole life, every part of life, daily living in all we do and honouring God in all we do, that love offering. You know, when you wake up in the morning, I will go, good morning, Jesus. How are you doing today? What's on your heart for today? Start the day, start the day with him. I mean, I have, I'm not brilliant in the morning, so sometimes I get a little bit, I think I, think I probably say morning to him a few times as I've drifted in and out of sleep again. But, you know, invite him in from the moment you, you, you wake up. It will make the day far better as well. Because it's the Father's gift and desire for us to worship him, to give our hearts in worship, to seek him, to fall in love again, to go deeper in love with him, our first love. We are to love him and worship him with all we are, to engage our heart, to put some emotion into it. Now, just to say, passion isn't about energy or volume. It can be, but it's about engaging our hearts. There's a call to be intentional in our worship as we aim to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to put our heart into it. We need to put some muscle into it. I read that David worshipped seven times a day and prayed three times. The heart of worship is all about giving our all, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is calling us to engage our hearts, to surrender all and being abandoned and going for it. Now, I know in a worldly term, surrender can seem negative. It can seem about a loss of power, but it's not. With God, it's positive. It's allowing him to have it all as we offer it to him. I sense there is a precious and significant moment for each of us and as a church as we open our hearts to him, as we give him our hearts and as we have a heart of worship. The Father is calling us to worship him as he intended and to be free in that. There's a freedom that the Father is wanting to release us into as we worship, free to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to worship as our heart moves, but our hearts moved and stirred by him, free from constraints, not held back, but to go for it, and to take us deeper into worship, deeper into his heart, and take worship to new levels 
both personally and corporately. This is on the heart of the Father. He has spoken so much about it. When we were away back in February, he spoke so much about his heart and what he is wanting to do in worship. And he's calling us. He's calling us. Come closer. Come higher. Come deeper. Come into my heart. Hearts set on him in worship. Amen. Amen. Please can I invite you to stand as, um, as I just like to pray into this. And yeah, the band are happy to come back up. I just feel to pray for all of us that as God has stirred our hearts this morning or over time, and as we've had a revelation of the heart of worship, and, in, and as I was preparing for this, I felt a mandate on this morning, and as I said, this is precious and significant moments as we open our hearts in greater way. The Father is looking for those whose hearts are set on him. And I sense, I sense that this is, there's going to be some breakthrough, there's going to be some freedom, And I would like to encourage you, if you want to pursue more of your journey of loving him and with your heart and your mind and your soul and your spirit, can I just encourage you to step out or step forward? We would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray an impartation of going deeper with the Father. And so I just encourage you as I pray, do start coming if you'd like to. Thank you, guys. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your heart and that the heart of worship is you. Father, I thank you that it's all about you. And I declare freedom in this house to worship as you were created to worship. Freedom to pursue God. Freedom to pursue God, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Freedom to worship with joy. Freedom to have your hearts to love as never before. And that we will seek Jesus. We will seek him and we will find him. And we will love him more than ever before. That we will be overwhelmed by his love. Overwhelmed by him. So Father, will you come now? Will you stir our hearts? Will you stir our hearts? That we would love you with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. And that we would love you and worship you with all we are. And may we have hearts set on you as we go deeper in love and deeper in our worship to you.